In order to avoid more unnecessary casualties, we absolutely insist on immediate compliance with all these instructions and warnings. What you are about to see is strictly for demonstrational purposes only. Any of the methods described would be lethal for anyone with no proper training. Any noise louder than normal speech hurts the ears of a Father Christmas, quickly making it nervous. Behaving like a raving lunatic only encourages the Father Christmas to do so as well. It will attack and will aim for your tongue. You'll be silent for the rest of your days. If you should slightly misbehave, you may still avoid the beating of your life by playing dead. This is the easiest and most straightforward method, but will only apply to the mildest outbursts of rage. Cinema 9 Podcast. Thank you for joining me today, us today. Um, it is, I am the only regular host that has joined us today. Uh, Eric Branstrom, we salute you. He is taking care of his sick daughter. And Mike Govier couldn't be here today because... Because... <laughs> uh, I'd like to introduce my substitute co-host, uh, Ivan Tetriak. Tretiak, thank you. The Greetings, Tretiak. comrade gremlins of the proletariat. It is I, Radish Abezhija, Croatian gremlin hybrid and capitalist pig dog caricature Bolshevik boogeyman. Gremlins of the world, unite. You have nothing to lose with your bird cages. And don't you think I have a nice coat? Nice coat. <laughs> Now, of course, <laughs> I don't know if that made sense to anybody, but uh, Steve Guile, who is my actual co-host today, but he was uh, s- sending that message to our dear friend Luke, who, along with Mike Govier, is the they are the the podcast. Is it safe? But Steve is joining us today. How are you doing, Steve? Oh, good. Uh, also, Luke, I turned off my like phasmophobia style ghost hunting spirit box radio, so we're not going to get any <laughs> staticky messages from beyond on this one. That's kind of disappointing. But, uh, oh, did you want that? Well, I, I can like, turn it back on. I like static messages with those of the you know departed this realm. What? <laughs> How often do you get those opportunities? <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Uh, let's light some candles. Get a seance. Let's light this candle. I've got many candles actually lit around oh, me. I, I, don't know, I see that in the background. I don't know what it is, but I somehow like. Well, I always like candles during the winter. I'm like big on candles in the winter, but for some reason, I also just like to have at least one candle lit when I podcast. I don't know why. I, it comforts me, I guess. Sets the mood. Sets the mood. Little ambiance for me, I guess. Eric does it too. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> call this the call this the good vibes podcast. Yeah. Johnny Good Vibes. That's us. <laughs> um But yeah, that was just a call back to the Gremlins episode from well, I was gonna say last week, but it's probably been longer than a week now. Not, it wasn't supposed to be. Well, th- you know, that's the that's the 
pulling teeth of, of, of getting a podcast together, which this isn't even the first time I've done this pod without my co-host. This is like, I think the third or fourth time there's been an episode where I was the only um, cinema night co-host that could make it. But eventually it gets to the point where we're like, we can't push this back any further. And you were <laughs> kind enough to join us to talk about what movie we're talking about today, Steve. Tell the, tell the good people. Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale. Yeah, a Finnish horror comedy from 2010. Which uh, hopefully you've seen, you know, this is a, not, I know you've seen it, Steve, but I mean, you know, dear listener, um, because, you know, we're a spoiler heavy podcast. But before we get into that, we're going to talk about what we call our quarantine viewing picks because we're still stuck in 2020 when this podcast started, I guess. Um, what have you been watching, Steve? You've been watching anything good? Uh, yeah. So I had like a five day weekend and a brand new subscription to the Criterion channel. Nice. And uh, since Criterion is curated, there's like not really any sort of selection paralysis. So mm. it's like, you know, fucking pick one and go. Yeah. So uh, I watched uh, Night on Earth, a yeah. Jim Jarmusch movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't really land. I didn't know like what a crazy Nepo baby he was. Like <laughs> he like failed out of the Ivy League of the uh, the Midwest that they call it Northwestern, and then. Uh, I think went to like Harvard after that. I'm just like, oh, yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> so, cause I'm convinced now after watching this again, that like, uh, he just knows people. And so he's like, Hey, what if like, uh, you know, like in coffee and cigarettes, like what if uh, Bill Murray was hanging out with Wu-Tang clan? <laughs> and then he's like, I, I can get this together. That's, <laughs> that's what blue in the face is too. And smoke. I mean, a lot of his stuff yeah. is just, well, those were him, weren't they? Um, uh, I think so. I think so. I could be mistaken on that one, but like, uh, yeah, a lot of his stuff that I've seen, it definitely is just like people that he clearly just kind of is able to gather to him because he's Jim Jarmusch. Yeah, and so it's like you know, I think it's like five vignettes, and uh, all the dialogue is a little bit off. It's kind of like in uh, Star Trek Four, where uh, to try and blend in with Earth's population of like the 1980s they try to use swear words and like <laughs> Kirk is like well double damn on you and Spock is like the hell she did <laughs> it's that kind of dialogue so it's kind of like a felony murder cast but it's a misdemeanor movie that's yeah that about sums up in my memory uh Tom Waits heavy on the on the soundtrack which oh, is yeah. cool but it's not a great film I moved on to uh Jane Campion's Sweetie Never Which is, it. uh, it's funny and tragic. It's kind of like, uh, like as I lay dying, like a, like a Faulkner, you not, County type, uh, except it's the Australian outback. Mm. So it's a, it's a just absolutely dysfunctional family. And, uh, like sweetie, I guess is supposed to be the main character and the main focus, but like everyone in the, the the family kind of wants to be the main character <laughs> except, for the, except for the feckless boyfriend of uh the other sister <laughs> he's just kind of like i just want to sit here and meditate <laughs> but uh yeah it's sorry I'm, like, I'm hung up on what is it if you have feck is it like your fect <laughs> I'm sure in Australia, someone could tell you to get fat. And <laughs> <laughs> we bring it back. All right. Sorry. What else did you watch? Oh, uh, just so anyway, that it's, it's a real tragic movie, oh, but it's sorry. really funny. It was like deadpan the entire time. So uh-huh. like I was watching it with my sister and my sister didn't laugh at all. And I was like, this is fucking hilarious. What's wrong with you? <laughs> she was just focused on the tragedy part and not how ridiculous the characters were acting all trying to like buy for each other's attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Campion dedicates the movie at the end of the film to her sister, which is either the most passive aggressive dick move of all time, or like maybe a fucked up earnest tribute. I could not tell. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Did I watch the anniversary party? Oh, uh, Kevin Klein, right? Kevin Klein, uh, Phoebe Cates, his wife, strangely enough. Uh, No, Elizabeth Shue. It's uh, Jennifer Jason Lee and Alan Cumming, who wrote and I think directed it and starred. Yeah, I remember that movie. I remember it being pretty good. Is it still good? Uh, Every character, no matter how insignificant, reveals their strongest motivations by the end of the film. So it's like Chekhov's id, and (laughs) it's efficient almost to a fault. And it is fucking funny. Like, uh, there's there's this 
point in the film where like, uh, you know, it's an anniversary party and they, they start to uh, get into the drugs. Someone brings some fucking Molly mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> Alan Cumming immediately re- reverts back to his character's rave days. So he's got like, <laughs> the, like the tiny little rubber bands and like goofy hair. Oh, that's right. And, I remember yeah, that. In the, in the fucking tank top. And <laughs> yeah, that's funny. He's just trying to fuck everything that walks by. <laughs> that was a game show host. Go figure. <laughs> Is he? Yeah, he, he, he's a game show host for like a reality TV show. I just remember him on, uh, like, was it PBS's Masterpiece Mystery? How Nightcrawler night oh, yeah. has fallen. What are you, are you drinking champagne over there, buddy? Champagne. Champagne. Well, this is our Christmas episode. I was going to do some uh, eggnog, but I did that last year, and I ended up just kind of getting it in my stash the whole time, and it was just... It just made me so conscious the whole episode. I'm glad you have Nog stash. going on. Yeah, Nog stash. I'm glad you have something festive going on. Well, of course. Yeah. Uh, festive also because I watched Time Bandits again. Hey, we did that on the show. I, I know. It's still a goof troop riot. Throw back a bottle of champagne. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like Branson was talking about the gremlins being a little bit cruel last week. And I think this movie, like the, the ending is... Equally cruel. It's like the Reagan and Thatcher era re- represented in film. It's like, God doesn't care. Bend it all down. Fend for yourselves, you precocious little shits. Right. Suffering consumerism. That's right. Uh, I think you said last week, too, you watched Leave the World Behind. I did. Yeah. I watched it. It was like... Uh, the 2012 disaster movie, except it's 2023, and I don't think the CGI <laughs> fucking improved at all. <laughs> I thought some of the stuff looked pretty good. I thought that the plane crash scene was good. No, uh, no spoilers, but I hear you. It's it is Netflix movies just always feel a little bit Netflix. Yeah, it, uh, there were there was some sort of vague message regarding like blowback against uh, American imperialism, <laughs> greenlit by. Uh, Old Dronezilla himself. <laughs> um, <coughs> excuse me. I, I enjoyed it, but yeah, it's not for everybody. Yeah, and uh, but I thought Ethan Hawke slayed as scream scream queen Justin Long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mahershala Ali. Uh, sadly, he's not going to be in the upcoming film. Uh, what is the the American Society of the Magical Negro? No, yeah, uh, there's a lot of people I don't know in that movie, which um, I think David Allen Greer is the only, I think the only person I know right off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, but uh, he he does his best in this one, uh, except like instead of the Oracle and the Matrix, like he can just predict the present because he hung around the Illuminati for a while. <laughs> oh, well, no, I don't think that's fair. His character was <laughs> literally supposed to like uh, assess people for a living and assess risk and all that kind of stuff. He all has right. a particular set of skills. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's a movie. What are you going to do? And then uh, Gre- Julie Roberts graduated from uh, Pretty Woman's Hooker with a Heart of Gold to a post-apocalyptic Karen with a Heart of Gold. <laughs> and then Kevin Bacon just fucking collected a paycheck. This is this is Julia Roberts in like closer mode, which I'm always happy to see her just like be a dick. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Like she's convincing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh oh, and <laughs> I don't even know if I should say that I watched this movie. It, it's yeah. uh we'll call it contemplative, but it's a <laughs> movie called uh, The Mountains Are a Dream That Called to Me. I think I've heard of it, and I think I scoffed at the title. Is it a documentary or foreign film? No. Or it, it, there's, like, no narrative structure. Oh. Uh, it's, uh, like, an old Australian lady hiking in the Himalayas. It was on Criterion, I'm guessing? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a real Criterion pick. I think that's where I stumbled across it. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but it is like there are some like beautiful shots in it. So it's a reminder that like you can have an incredible mountain experience without like having to be the guy to crawl up another rich motherfucker's ass driving crampons into piles of trash and corpses racing to be the next to die on Everest. Is there like a plot? Is there a story? Nope. So it looks beautiful. And there's no plot. So it's a Terrence Malick movie. Yeah, it's well, there's a little bit of a plot. There's like a, a guy who uh, like a Nepali guy, like a Sherpa who's like, oh, I'm going to go work in Dubai. And then he's like, 
oh, this old Australian lady taught me the, the value of my home and I'm going to stay here and show people the mountains. Okay. So th there's like a little buddy aspect to it, but it's, uh, it's not great. I feel like I've watched it. I watched uh, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. <sighs> Which I'm, I honestly can't tell you if I've seen or not. I've seen so many of those, but I, I know. haven't seen them all. But all I the thought I had or... seen it when I started watching it. And then like I got to a certain, there was a certain point in the movie. It was when there's like this absolutely Frank Drebin-esque sequence like, mm -hmm. of <laughs> Ethan Hunt, like just, you know, in the goofiest way possible, like, knocking out bad guys like it's it's fucking hilarious <laughs> but uh from detroit. This, is, this is another yeah, from detroit goes by the alias joey chicago <laughs> but yeah in this case it's like uh the same thing in uh what's it called leave the world behind uh and top gun maverick like uh there's like the bad guy is an undefined entity in this case so like you get to effectively remove any geopolitical allegiances so that like you're good in box offices worldwide. That is the point. That is the whole point. <laughs> Watch this guy drive a motorcycle off a cliff. That's all you're here for. Yeah. The last spectacle. Watch us, watch us waste Simon Pegg. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> he gets paid. He's doing all right. I'm not too worried. Yeah, that's true. And he does a lot of indie stuff in the meantime. Like every time I'll be like on Tubi or something, like he did another movie I didn't hear of like five years ago. Yeah. Like, yeah, he just, he keeps cranking out stuff. He must, he must just do it for himself. You know, he's doing all right. For sure. Then I took the uh, Cinema 9 Recommends Plunge and all right. watched uh, The French Dispatch. Oh, we, who, who recommended that? Mike Govier repeatedly while me and Eric shit all over it? Oh, really? Um, uh, or was it the other way around? I can't remember. All I know is that I hate that movie. Okay. <laughs> well, I thought it was uh, the the most he ever explored, like that uh, flat angle dollhouse view. Like, I think he got the most out of it this time. Uh, I think he exhausted that in Life Aquatic for me. Like, I mean, I, I like Life Aquatic quite a bit, but it's like you you know you keep on returning to the same well, and it's like yeah, that's a, that's the thing. It makes me like I have to gear up for a Wes Anderson movie. So, which is why, like, which is why I haven't watched Asteroid City. Me either. Right. Like, uh, you got to be ready for the hokiness, and uh, it's it's yeah. For some reason, it's like. Uh, eating eating dinner with in-laws or something like, <laughs> you just like they could be fine but like you're still like kind of cringy about it before you go into it like i don't it's not know awful, if I want to do kinda, not awful it's just kind of stuffy kind of like yeah. just tilted yeah get a new bit <laughs> <laughs> reinvent time to reinvent but he did give uh, Benicio del Toro uh, Fenster McManus's retribution when he perfectly enunciated <laughs> the word cocksucker <laughs> None of this. Oh, give me the fucking keys, you fucking cooks. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Another movie we've done. We've done them all. Yeah. Uh, here's one I hope you do uh, exactly five years from now. Uh, the Boy and the Heron in theaters oh, now. No spoilers. I cannot wait. It is Miyazaki's apotheosis. It <sighs> is his hocus pocus magnum opus. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, my plan is to see that. Actually, my whole plan is to see a bunch of fucking Japanese movies over a break. I'm going to try and catch that. Godzilla minus one. And I feel like there's another one. Oh, maybe it's just the two. But that's, that's still two. I mean, like, I want to see two movies in theaters. They're both from Japan. Go figure. Do it. And uh, watch The Boy and the Heron on the biggest possible screen. It is chock full of detail. It is gorgeous. Can't wait. There are shots that happen in the same room that are taken from different angles. Like, mm -hmm. there's no like repeating matte backgrounds. Like, every fucking frame was carefully curated and drawn. And it has the best cinematic lighting in a goddamn cartoon that I've ever seen. And it sets the mood even better than the score. It is gorgeous. I, I'm, I'm really, I mean, I never doubted that it would be, you know, amazing. Um, and everything he's done is amazing, but you know, to have right. someone that that moves the earth like this with his art, and to be like, I am making my final film, and like I believe him, you know what I mean? I, it's, it's not like Tarantino with his ten films. I'm like, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I really, <laughs> I really believe him. He's probably done. He's old. He's very old. Yeah, I think he's in his eighties. Yeah, but exactly. like, I think Japan has one of the longest lived populations in the world. <laughs> 
And I and he's rich, I'm sure. So he's probably not leaving the realm quite yet, but he might not be up for that kind of endeavor. But it is definitely like a, a capstone type movie. Yeah. We'll say that. Can't wait. It's indelible imagery, incredibly imaginative. And uh, yeah, Tarantino with the 10 movies thing didn't. I just read an article, I think, that uh, he was going to do his 10th movie and it was going to be a extremely violent Star Trek movie. <laughs> yeah, I read that article, too. There was rumors of him doing Star Trek for a long time. And it looks like that that's the reason why he ended up not doing it. He didn't want to make that his final film. But so make 11. It's it's absurd. I, I, I get it. You don't want to be Francis Ford Coppola, but you could be Martin Scorsese. Sure. Right. Right. Because, I mean, like Coppola is, I mean, I, notwithstanding the new, I forget the name of it, but the thing he's been working on forever. But most of the stuff he's done the last 20 years has been pretty not great. Whereas Scorsese's been consistently putting out some of the best work of his career. So, you know, you never fucking know. He's got no faith in himself, Tarantino. Do you watch Killers of the Flower Moon yet? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. I, I just, you know, I don't want to watch a three and a half hour movie in theaters. I'm waiting for it to hit Apple Plus. There you go. Yeah. Uh, another one I watched is The Devil, probably. Or Sounds familiar. El Diablo Probablemente. Okay. So is <laughs> it Espanol? No, it's uh, French. I oh. fucked that up. Uh, so it's like, if Goodwill Hunting is the Disney movie, then this is Robert Brisson's uh, original grim and ghastly fairy tale to that Disney movie. That's a convoluted uh, explanation of this film, which I'm sure made sense to like a couple people. Give me more though. So, uh, there's the original fairy tale that's like that was told to children, and it's fucking horrendous. Like it's no, I know what Grimm's know, fairy tales are, but I guess children it, are ripped apart. Whatever, like you no, know, yeah, I get, I get Grimm's fairy tales. So you're saying that this is like Goodwill Hunting, but uh, brutal? No, I'm saying Goodwill Hunting is the Disney version of that fairy tale. And this is the original fairy tale. Okay. So this is the grim version of okay. Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, just, you know, it's Robert Brisson, so there's shit tons of, like, Catholic ennui. Mm -hmm. A little bit of a sort of, like, Dogma 95 filmmaking style. <laughs> like, remove all, all fucking sense of performance from the film. And, like... <laughs> Hire amateurs to do the acting. Like, uh, it Sounds is great. It's, I mean, it stuck with me. It's, it's brutal, but like, uh, oh, also, <laughs> I don't know. Do you know what, like, uh, let's see, I think that came out in like the 70s. So, what, what were the, uh, what were the lewdness laws in France around that time? Uh, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, Steve. I, I don't, I don't know the obscenity laws of France in the mid '70s, off the top of my head. Well, I was thinking, like maybe we could narrow it down just by like what films we saw in French from that time period, and like try and remember if like anyone was hanging down. But anyway, uh, uh, there's a yeah, scene not, where, yeah, not my, not my scene. You get, you get a silhouette of the main character like uh, getting up out of a bathtub after trying mm -hmm. to drown himself in it. And uh, you don't see any of his, uh, you know, danglies in the front. But what you do see is a gigantic rat's nest of a fucking taint. Oh, <laughs> it is. Okay. It is the hairiest taint I've ever seen in my life. Criterion taint. That's right. <laughs> Next level taint. That's why you come to Criterion. You, you, and if that wasn't you. good enough, go watch a depressing movie with... Uh, uh, what's their name? Samantha Morton. Yeah, I don't know if you. I don't know if a movie has uh, sold me less. But when you, you really lost me at Harry Taint, don't think I'm going to watch this film. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then I watched Morvan Caller. Morvan Caller to you. I don't know that one. Uh, if it was like a, a podcast, there'd be a ten minute apology for the sound at the beginning. This oh, it's fucking it'd be, it'd be a Cinema Nine podcast. Yeah, it's it's unintelligible, <laughs> and it's the the antithesis of the grifter who falls in love trope. It's uh, a love is dead, so why not grift trope? Okay, which I think is written into my job description at my law firm. <laughs> that's sad. Uh, that's not a fun watch. But uh, what have you been watching? Sorry, I took up so much time. 
That's but it's okay. just the two of us. Right. Watch a lot, and it's just the two of us. But I, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll probably truck through these fairly quickly. I do want to first of all, I didn't watch any movie starring the man, but I want to take this moment to celebrate the life and work of Mr. Andre Brower. I've mentioned on the show yeah. a few times that uh, for me, Brooklyn Nine Nine has been like my anxiety medication. And when I say that, I was always talking about his performance of Captain Holt, in particular, just. You know, just like for whatever reason, there's certain things in your life that's just like comfort food, you know, and um, uh, it really meant a lot to me, that performance. And I really, I'm, I'm, I, you know, it's the first time I've cried at a celebrity death since Philip Seymour Hoffman, man. I was, I was, it bums me out. He was 61. I feel like the world got robbed a little bit of another good 10 years of this incredibly versatile and talented dude. So RIP Andre Brower. Cheers. Uh, I, when I, when I think of the movie Glory, I think of him. Yeah. He's fucking amazing in that. And honestly, I think when I when I think of Mist, I think of him, and he's like a tertiary character practically. Yeah. He fucking owns the movie, you know. Uh, he's he was just he just stole everything that he was ever in, you know. He was just always so fucking charismatic and solid, just just a yeah. great actor. Yeah, oozing charisma. Yeah, he'll be missed for sure. Um, so I, but I, you know, I, I should have watched one of his movies, but I didn't. I did watch a fair amount of other stuff though. Let me see what I got here. Uh, I checked out May, December. Uh, Julianne Moore has reunited again with Todd Haynes of safe and far from heaven fame Um, with um, Natalie Portman. I don't want to ruin the plot, um, but it's probably also like the blurb on any Netflix, whatever, because it's on Netflix. Um, It was funny and dark and also I don't know. It, it stuck with me. It stuck with me. Very like it covers a lot of ground, but um, it's definitely a, a movie that I think movie lovers will love because it, it's one of those movies that like where the industry turns the lens on itself and goes, "You're fucked up. We're fucked up." Like this whole thing <laughs> that we're doing here is kind of fucked up. Um, it's maybe not even healthy. It's 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 pretty good. The more I think about, it, the more I like it. But it also wasn't like I wasn't super blown away at the time. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Julianne Moore maybe get a Best Supporting Actors uh, Actress nom with this one. I wouldn't be surprised at all because um, mostly um, Portman is the main character. Uh, I checked out Gremlins two after we did uh, the 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 classist classic Gremlins uh, Christmas movie last last week. Uh, the main takeaway is that even in 1990, we have these Donald Trump parodies with uh, John uh, John Glover playing Daniel Clamp. <laughs> it's, oh, God. Yeah, it's, oh, God. Oh, God is right. Uh, check out Barbie. You know, I got to I gotta watch the big, the big film of the year. It's probably the biggest movie of the year. And uh, it was a little overly long, like most movies seem to be these days. But it was uh, it was good. It was definitely good. No way could it have lived up to the hype of all of that shit. But I <laughs> certainly thought it was intelligent, clever, fun, different for what you you know for what it is. Um, it's the kind of movie that those are the same descriptors I would use for Greta Gerwig. Yeah, she's a talented like person. Yeah, she's. I know a lot of talented. people don't like her, but I like her. Well, I think I think she's super talented as an actress, and I think she's super talented as a director. Uh, I'm not always in love with some of the stuff that she's done, um, but you know, this is a Bombback and Gerwig script, and if you like those people, you're probably going to like this movie. They're, they're intelligent people that make witty films, and this is the most money they've ever had to play with ever. And um, you know, Greta Gerwig is an incredibly, incredibly talented director, and Margot Robbie is. Somehow it just keeps on getting these roles that it's hard to imagine anyone else playing, even though they also seem like these really surface and general roles. She is really carving out a spot for herself in a in modern pop culture. And you gotta, you gotta respect it. You gotta respect it. Um, what else have I watched? Ernest saves Christmas revisited Krampus. Not that bad, <laughs> better than I thought. Um, <laughs> checked out family switch for some god awful reason i guess i watched family switch so you don't have to that's the new ed helms uh, and um oh shit what's her name uh fuck i'm blanking on her name right now but uh the, anyways um you she's super famous i just can't think of her name but it's like a christmas movie where all the family members like swap you know it's a fucking vice versa like father like son situation where they all like swap and they gotta like see everything from each other's point of view and man it is dretch don't don't do it to yourself. I did actually laugh like Oof. twice. 
um, but I wouldn't recommend it. And that, but it was better than Jingle Jangle. I gave that a shot from 2020, another Christmas movie that relatively new. You know, I've watched a lot of Christmas movies, but like, man, this uh, Jingle Jangle was so long and so fuck. I don't know. It felt it was tedious. It felt like work. Uh, my main takeaway, and I watched a couple other Christmas movies, but I don't have to name them all. Um, my main takeaway here would be Violent Night. Uh, checked out Violent Night from last year. David Harbour is a fun leading man. And clearly someone made a Christmas movie, you know, with Santa as the hero in an action movie and said, like, let's have Santa kill someone with every, like, Christmassy winter item we could possibly think of. <laughs> and, and that's what happens. He's just killing people with the ice skates and whatever the fuck else, you know, there's like gingerbread. It's just it's ridiculous. It's so over the top <laughs> and it's very violent, as promised, which you got to love. And uh yeah, I, I was totally entertained. It's one of the, you know, pretty rarely I'm like, oh, I hope they make a second one. And supposedly they are. So, yeah, definitely recommend Violet Night. So so it's themed like Batman has bat-shaped weapons and this is like Christmas-shaped <laughs> weapons. It's not. It's actually more like a Jason Bourne kind of thing where he's just kind of grabbing whatever is fucking around. And, and oh, yeah, that's it. right. It was the uh, same guys who did John Wick, right? Is it really? I would not be surprised. I think so. I would not be surprised at all to hear that. Um, yeah, um, I love Mister uh, Mister Yeah Mister Nobody or whatever it's called Nobody. The, the, I forget that one uh, with Bob Odenkirk, which is also from those guys. Final Night was great. Whoever's behind it, I enjoyed it thoroughly. And that's what Bobby I was. Odenkirk. That's, yeah, gotta love Bob. <laughs> so those are the films we watched. Which uh, now we can pivot to our main event here, which is Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale from 2010. So do you remember the first time you watched this movie, Steve? Yeah, I was uh, yelling at someone because I had just seen uh, Let the Right One In for the first time, probably five years after it came out. It's one of my favorite movies ever. It's got one of my favorite moments in film in it. I love it so much. Yeah, and I was like, why didn't you tell me this movie existed earlier? And they're like, well, <laughs> shit, I don't want this to happen again. Uh, go watch Rare Exports. And so I did. <laughs> That's nice of them. <laughs> so it was probably a holiday uh, around 2015 or something like that. Okay. For that yeah. to come up. How about you? I think I watched it for the first time either last Christmas or the Christmas before last. It was definitely since this podcast started because I, I remember talking about it on the show and uh, – so I don't have a ton of memory of it, but like it was one of those things where eventually I had to watch it because I'm a horror fan and I'm a Christmas movie fan. And at this time of year, I want to watch Christmas movies. I don't watch and I want to watch horror movies. So I'm especially into Christmas horror movies and uh, and comedies you know, on top of that. And this is such a fun mix of all those things. So I had to watch it. And then I did. So what do you think the IMDb score is on this thing? Oh, man. Well, again, this is another one where it's like self-selecting audience for this. So it's going to be people who are like, I can handle Finnish horror Christmas comedy. And then, yeah, it's going to be cult movie fans and fans. Yeah. So, or, you know, there could be like uh, a moms for Liberty group out there. that's like, uh, we need, we need to boycott this movie and, Review downvoted bomb. on yeah. uh, fucking IMDb. <laughs> it's not you're. They're trying to take Christmas away from us. Uh, Someone said Happy Holidays to me today. His <laughs> 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 fucking head implodes. Uh, so let's split the difference and go seven seven six. Uh, I'm going to bring it down and say 6.7. Oh, wow. Survey says 6.6. Holy shit. Look at me. At a Moms 30- for Liberty really fucked it up. <laughs> yeah, way to go, Moms for Liberty. Fucking assholes. Uh, it's up in popularity at the moment. It is out of 31,000 votes. So that's that's a decent amount. It's not a huge amount, but it's a decent uh, Let's see what the uh, the folks over at Rotten Tomatoes had to say about it. Uh, pretty the review. Uh, it's certified fresh at eighty nine percent. That's wow. not too shabby at all. The audience score seventy percent. Um, and then this is the part I always shit the bed on because I gotta like give. Re- oh, here we go. Some interviews. Let's see what we got here. Um, 
start with a splat. Why not? Eric Cohn over at IndieWire says, the flaws of rare exports offer an important reminder that looking good on YouTube does not provide qualifications for a bigger screen. Uh, that's okay. I think he didn't get the, the assignment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm inclined to agree with you. Michael O'Sullivan over at the Washington Post says, for anyone who can look a little askance at the monster that contemporary Christmas has become, this artfully made finished tale is, I kid you not, a real treat. Um, who else? Anyone else good? Let's see. I don't see Ebes. I don't see Ebes. Let me look at the uh, some more here. No goody kids. No goody kids. This is Dessen. Uh, yeah, he was working for Obama by this point, I believe. Um, Dennis Schwartz at Movie Reviews. Okay, that sounds good. Okay, it's a silly <laughs> folklore tale, but I find it both pleasingly absurd and funny. All right, um, uh, yeah, we'll do uh, we'll do Is one Dennis more. Schwartz, a child. <laughs> Any more splats? They're mostly red tomatoes. A lot of red tomatoes. I'll give one more splat though, just for fun. From Deep Focus Review, this is Brian Eggert. Although it has a lot of imagination, the lopsided outcome never balances its elements in a satisfying way. Yeah. Okay. So, what sticks out to you? What? What? Where? We, where to start with this? Really unique film. Oh, so uh, the 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 beginning. It's uh, you know it follows uh, two children's points of view, two little guys uh, watching the goings on. Like they yep. they cut a col- cut a hole through a fence to go look at and uh, the, through the border fence between Finland and Russia. Yeah, uh, to go see what's happening on top of this mysterious mountain. Mm-hmm. That uh, honestly looks like uh, the like the Brighton landfill. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. We got, like, got Peter No Pants and uh, Johnny Mullet. They- <laughs> <laughs> that dude looks like uh, he could be like an honorary Cinema Nine Corey, like with the the dangly earring and the hockey mullet. It looks like uh, except he's like trying to graduate to like Kiefer Sutherland Lost Boy status. Wait, Corey, our buddy Corey Worley. No, no, no! Like uh, you guys have a theme of the the Corys, the Feldman, and uh, oh, oh, that yeah. Corey, yeah, yes, those Corys. Sorry, um, yeah, yeah, he definitely looks like. Um, well, that's yeah, he looks a little bit like a European kid in around two thousand. True, <laughs> from what I gather, yeah, but he's and giving me those Corey vibes. He's got like the attitude and everything. He does. He's he's a real go getter. He's a, he's a. <laughs> He's a bad kid. He's a naughty kid. And then you have the main character, which I kind of wish Mike was here for this one to get his take on uh, this child actor, because this child actor drives the movie. He's a main character. And, uh, you know, there's there's some men, many men in it. But for the most part, uh, the kid, what's his name? Pierre Pietari or Piotr Terry or something like that. Pietari. Pietari. Pietari is our, is our main character, and you get to watch him evolve and stuff. And I feel like I feel like the kid did a pretty good job. I feel like the kid's good enough for this film for sure. I thought he was awesome, and I like he was in the original YouTube shorts too, and uh, he was even younger then. And yeah, he, he's just. I mean, they they don't ask a lot from him except for. Uh, you know, you know, towards the end of the movie, there's uh, they they start delivering like action movie one-liners, and uh, <laughs> it's fucking awesome. It's so good. He does. He and, delivers them with sincerity. I feel. Yeah. <laughs> he believes in the one-liner that he just said. Yeah, I mean, well, how often does anyone get to hang from like a big piece of cargo from a helicopter with a gun and like say cool things, right? He 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 definitely knew like this is my moment, <laughs> and he nailed it. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, so where it's such a fucking weird movie. So, so yeah, at the, at the beginning we got uh, Riley uh, played by a per Christian Ellison who looks like if Sting and Bob Odenkirk had a nervous baby. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's the one who wants to uh, excavate the mountain 
uh, because he believes there's a treasure beneath uh, greater than that of the pyramids. Yes, our English-speaking bad guys, pretty much. Yes. Right? The, uh, this is a classic, like, oh, no, you're fucking with nature. Um, you're fucking with things you don't understand kind of film. Maybe not nature, but sort of, because you're they're digging, right? Um, and, of course, it's the Westerners that are, that are unleashing this monstrosity. Of course, of course it is. I'm glad yeah. they're not Americans, at least, but... Well, uh, one of them turns out to be. There were at least Americans on the project because one of uh, Santa's little helpers had a fucking American passport. And that wasn't his passport, right? Because elves don't have passports. I found that confusing. I'm like, why? Oh, I think I think they were uh, they were there on the project and uh, like mind controlled by Santa Claus. So they became oh, Santa's little helpers. Oh, it's so like you those, see their eyes flash. Like, uh, yeah, when, it's almost like they're getting a message. Like, so okay, all the now, dudes, all, all the elves are like the the workers from the from the yeah, because they weren't they weren't like frozen and def, and defrosted. So okay, it was only Santa, and his powers were you know growing as he started to defrost while they were excavating. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I guess I needed that explained to me, uh, despite two viewings. But uh, I, yeah, I was kind of like, where are these guys coming from? I don't know. I guess I didn't <laughs> long and hard enough about it. And I definitely was like, why does this fucking elf have? But his his beard's all long. I guess it's you know Christmas magic, right? They all have really long beards and paunches and stuff. But the dude that plays the main elf that gets caught is so scary. That dude is terrifying. Yes. He does a great job. I'm scared of that person. Yeah, I looked really up old. a I looked up a picture of him like just to to see who the fuck he was and if he'd yeah. been in any other things and like you know his normal like headshot he he just looks like a guy that would be in movies <laughs> and then as this Santa's little helper fucking demon man like, oh, oh my, my god, god. he's terrifying he is fuck and his like unresponsive nature is they're like prodding him and like chasing her and then he and he fucking <laughs> sniffs the kid and that's what brings him out of it like oh yeah. it is creepy it's creepy wake up grandpa we need money <laughs> <laughs> yeah a lot, old man. a lot of the best lines are uh the the farmer the potato farmer guy who uh, is the translator trying to yeah, I know. yeah he's hilarious <laughs> his uh his his constant dad fixation with the value-added tax. Like, that, that kills me. It's such a dad thing. With the value-added tax. It yeah. doesn't even fucking apply to them. Like, it's, it's only... The consumer pays that tax. So, like, you are both the butcher and the consumer of the reindeer meat. So, like, you're, you're not paying a value-added tax, but, man... Well, there's a, that but kind of brings you to, to another thing. Guy is like, fucking taxes, Right. Right. Well, that brings me to another thing that kind of confused me to, to get to the end of the movie already. Like they, they, it wraps up with them becoming human traffickers or elf traffickers, essentially, um, which is an interesting twist. But how the, they, they, they're like, well, this is $61 million worth of Santa Clauses. And it's like, well, how are you going to sell these humans? <laughs> You're putting them in boxes, shipping them across the fucking earth. Who's buying them? Is it a like black market uh, small? Yeah, apparently there's there's high demand for uh, a Father Christmas in Tanzania. <laughs> a Father Christmas who is wooden as shit and completely weird <laughs> and acts like he's never seen a child before. <laughs> and hey, if, if they didn't truly train them well, might bite his fucking head off. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The movie is chaos. This movie is chaos. <laughs> yeah. Chaos and old man dongs. That's this movie. True. Although I, you know, I watched it on Peacock this time, and watching it, I'm just like, did they, they cut out some of these dongs? I feel like last time I watched it, I saw a lot more up close and like clear pictures of old men peckers swinging around. But this time when I watched it on Peacock, I, it's like you saw like flashes and it was all kind of muddy. And I swear, I think it was like toyed with. Maybe Peacock just says like a. Yeah, you know, like a shittier bit rate for streaming. Yeah, maybe. Because I saw dozens of dongs and <laughs> you, you know, this is this is you know, land of the midnight sun shit where there is literally three saunas for every five people there. So like people be hanging dong in Finland. It's yeah. just 
<laughs> that doesn't mean it's, 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 a, it's a big locker room up there. I mean, like, I, I would like to go to Finland, but I don't want to have to, like, be around a bunch of naked old men. <laughs> we could find some sort of way around that. I'd be down. <laughs> well, as, as an often naked old man myself, mm. I, I don't think I'd have any problem with it. Didn't you say that the version you watched had, a, like, a dick counter or something in the corner? <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> Yeah, but it was like, funny. I was thinking of that uh, the the body count thing in uh, Hot Shots Part Two, which you guys did. Yeah, and just like if there was like a counter of like <laughs> dongs hanged, that uh, would be hilarious. A, here's another question about like, uh, does this make sense? So they decide to turn all of Santa's elves and like pretend they're reindeer, and they bring them to the uh, circle corral with the electrocuted circle corral, and then who closes the gate? Like no one ever closes the gate. They just get them all in there. And that's like the end of the end of that whole sequence. And you're like, wait, but the gate's wide open. Uh, uh, well, first of all, Pietari was on the ground. Like he was sacrificing himself. Like right, he, was, but he was in the middle of the thing. He wasn't by the gate. He was like by the electricity bit. Right. But uh, they ostensibly like would have just torn him to shreds or whooped his ass. Like, that's that's a fun thing too about the lore. It goes all over the place. Like Pitari yeah. does not know like what kind of Santa he's in for. So he's reading all these books. They have, you know, like uh, discrete drawings, like discrete from one another, uh, and different types of lore about Santa. So Santa could yeah. be like a guy who rips fucking children apart, like dismembers them, or just like gives them a whooping with a switch. Right. So he's he's like you know ready with a fucking shotgun and a bear trap, but also like uh, covers his ass in cardboard just in case he gets a spanking. Right, he's trying to cover all of his bases, really. Yeah, but so like when they get into the corral, it is uh, that's when the spell is broken because uh, Santa has been uh, blowed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we know how he can be in a zillion places at once. That great one-liner. That's a great action movie one-liner. I mean, that's really it's so satisfying. Work, yeah, it's really only going to work for like one situation, one kind of movie, one scene. Like you know what I mean? Like one character. Yeah, one, it, it was great. <laughs> and they're and, uh, they're very like blasé about it. The two of them too. They're like, eh, <laughs> I know it's so deadpan the entire time. Yeah, they're just like, you know, dudes going to work. Yeah. And completely and my, unfazed by the fact that it's Santa Claus. So like, like Pietari comes up and he's like, oh, it's Santa Claus. And rather than being like, oh, no, no. They're like, oh, okay, let's sell him. Yeah. <laughs> also, like while he's thawing and maybe going to break out of this ice block, let's just act like real fucking youpers and uh, <laughs> saw off his fucking antlers for trophies and throw them in the back of the flatbed. So uh, good. Yeah. And again, like, so this is the classist movie that Luke wanted, the the classist Christmas movie, really, because that's, <laughs> that's that's what's really happening here, right? In a lot of ways, is that like there's like these financial motivators, like they're all like our the main thing that they're that the that the fathers are driven by, like we need profit. We ha we got two reindeers instead of like two hundred, and we need to get through the winter. We need money, and then you have like the the. The whole thing of, I mean, like, it just seems like and how they work it out this angle to make money out of the elves. It's all about fucking commerce when you get down to it. Yeah. Uh, they are small business owners. Yes. Yes. And, and, <laughs> um, uh, small business human traffickers, but still. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Very mom and pop thing they got going on here. And but, before that, all they did was run an abattoir. <laughs> and if you read the sign on it in Finnish, it says, like, you know, from father to son established, you know, whatever. It's oh, like really? father, son, last name. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. But like the, the father, amazing. Uh, this guy, Rauno, uh, yeah. he's who for much of the movie wears a hat that reminds me of that guy in Jaws. Like that is <laughs> some bad hat, Harry. <laughs> so I kept thinking it was bad hat, Harry. Yeah. That's funny. But he's uh when you're introduced to him, he's a grizzled fucking man laboring at the bottom of a fucking wolf trap pit. Wolf trap pit that he built. Mm. Uh, he like, excavated it, and then he's uh, hacking like tree branches and limbs into sharp pikes with a this gnarly curved blade. Yeah, and then like uh, he climbs out of the pit and disguises it and baits the trap with a frozen pig's head. And now that he's finished all that hard work, uh, it's time for a treat. So he takes a seat. 
and uses that same wicked butcher blade to carve himself a wedge of an apple. <laughs> and then he's chewing on the apple, admiring his handiwork. And then uh, as he climbs the hill back to uh, the abattoir, the camera tracks down and we see his finishing touch on the bait trap was that the only reason he took a wedge out of the apple was to fit it into the pig's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt making the bait doubly enticing to wolves who see like wolf cartoons <laughs> of wolves and chef's whites and tokes roasting whole suckling pigs. <laughs> It's fucking so funny. He's like this, like probably the wolf's not going to go for the trap unless there's an apple and they fucking frozen pig's head. Yeah, this is a little cartoonish. It's so funny, <laughs> but it's so deadpan. It's just like, I don't think I even laughed at that the first time. Like I was just watching it like, oh shit, what's going on? Because I yeah, first right. time you watch it, you have no idea. But right. second time, oh my God, I was on the floor. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely... It's a sly movie, the the comedy. It, I mean, like for as over the the head as it beats you with some of the stuff, right? Like there are parts of it that are really fucking, like that's hilarious, but it's not immediately obvious. So, um, do you have a favorite character? Uh, so peep peeper and then. The uh, yep. the the guy who uh, amuses the village by dressing as Santa mm -hmm. uh, is, somehow has like all the powers of like uh, Howlin' Mad Murdoch, like he can fly anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, was he wears uh, sunglasses everywhere? Yeah, much. like Walter Sobchak style sunglasses, <laughs> right? At night. Yep. Anytime. <laughs> uh, when like, uh, his he's introduced when uh, they they pull up on the snowmobiles and see all the reindeer, and uh, he doesn't even have to say "Merry fucking Christmas." All the reindeer are dead. Yeah, he just says "Heva Yula," which just means like "Merry Christmas." Yeah, <laughs> but, but he delivers it with like such gusto. It's like, yeah. That that is a Merry Christmas. We're fucked. Not an actual Merry Christmas. Yeah, he's he's probably my favorite character too. He's he's because he's a real character, and that's yeah. that's the movie does a good job of of doing that. Like there's these guys are all pretty distinct from one another, uh, pretty fun and interesting in their own way. Even though it's all very surface, I complain about all these movies that I've been watching and being like two two and a half hours long. This movie's gloriously brief and at an hour and twenty two, um, you get in and out pretty quick and the point is made nothing's belabored you get attached to the characters it doesn't fucking waste any time and you you gotta love that i certainly do yeah and uh people are in uh contemplating the fate of the wounded old man the, the scary guy yeah like just uh, snapping into like one of those desiccated gingerbreads <laughs> while wearing that Santa's hat and then like the butcher's apron over his fucking car hearts yeah and then taunting him with the fucking cookies, like Steve Irwin dangling a butterball over a crocodile. That's smart. Then he then he pays the Evander Holyfield price with a chunk out of his ear. <laughs> and yeah, did you know there's an internet movie planes database? Because I definitely went to that to see what the uh, the the four engine turboprop was, and it is it is not known for for the nerds on the plane database. Oh. Could be an Airbus A400M Atlas, but the helicopter is definitely a Eurocopter AS350. Good to know. <laughs> Key I thought you would want to know that personally. Well, you know me. I'm a real gearhead. I'm really interested in <laughs> vehicles, aerial vehicles. It's very much my – no, it's not my thing. But uh, I'm glad you <laughs> learned that. Um, Some Well, somehow all three of these guys, like Rondo, Pierpernet, and um, – Fucking IMO, they're all like John McClane's. They're in their own heads. They're all John McClane's. Yeah, whether they're making sense what they're doing, whether they're justified in what they're doing, they're but they are they're all they're all like pretty single minded. They're like this is this is what we got to do, and then they kind of like stumble across all the children and like oh fuck there they are. Well, I, just, <laughs> I mean because that wasn't their main focus. They didn't even really understand or believe that they were missing. Right. But then once they find them, their, their main concern is not like, well, we need to take care of these kids. Their main 
concerns of being like, well, we got to get these kids got back in these fucking sacks and at least, you know, 300 feet in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Pitari's idea. Yeah, I know. But still, it's like those kids would be cold as shit up there. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. They were, they were uh, hanging out by the radiators that they all brought. And uh, yeah, and <laughs> Imo's fucking wife's hair dryer, which was hilarious. Oh, is that there? I missed like, that somehow. Uh, there, there's. I remember uh, him talking about it, but it shows it in the movie. Yeah, he he picks it up and smells like the business end of the hair dryer. <laughs> he's like, and he just like nods, like, "Yep, this is my wife's." But like, <laughs> he was taking umbrage with the uh, police officer earlier in the movie. When, uh, He's like, and my wife's hair dryer's gone when they're talking about missing right. children and ovens and radiators and <laughs> it's going to be a cold fucking Christmas. And he's like, but it's cutting edge not technology from Russia. Russia. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a shitty purple hair dryer. Yeah. He's really proud of that hair dryer. <laughs> really is. He's getting ready for that insurance claim, I guess. I don't know. Uh, how about those twig facsimiles of the children? Those were fucking creepy, right? Yeah, and they feel like, I mean, and I don't know this, but they feel like this might be from actual lore, you know. Oh, definitely. Some, yeah, uh, that that's that was some of the scariest imagery in the movie. Because, again, it's not, it's not that scary of a movie, but when he goes to get his buddy and he pulls back the blanket and you see that it's like this fucking turnip head or whatever, it's like, oh, that's uh, it's unsettling. Yeah, I, I know you talked before about like uh, your sweet spot for a horror movie is like uh, if it's for kids, and then like somewhere like halfway through, you're like, "Is this okay for kids?" Yeah, I was saying and then, that like by the end, you're like, "I think it's okay for kids," and then you're like, "Yeah, this is this is perfect. This is my sweet spot." Yeah, I do, I do like that. And this movie is, eh, it's, I mean, kids can watch it so long as they're not freaked out by dicks, which they shouldn't be because they might have one, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> or they're gonna see one one day anyway. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's not necessarily what to sit down at once with the family at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there's dicks, but it's, it's brief. It's mercifully brief. I do love the, uh, the, the kids like Coca-Cola Santa was a hoax. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck that Thomas Nast. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, it's uh, perfect. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else we wanted to touch on before we uh, wrap this up here, Tiger? What do you think? Uh, let's see. Um, I mean, you're right. Like boxing up conscious, semi-feral, magical murder elves and distributing them across the globe is like wilderness yeomanry at its shepherd Huber's <laughs> finest. Uh, or I'll just say it's fucking bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bonkers also, movie, it's, man. It's uh, Jalmari Alander's debut feature. Like he, prior to this, it was music videos and the shorts. And, and this uh, is a fucking achievement to like pop out on for like what was it like a two million dollar budget? It looks better than like so many films I've seen that cost hundreds of millions. That's a really good point. And it it set him up. He went on to do uh, I haven't seen it, but he did that that. Um, I forget the name of it. It was a Sam Jackson movie. And then he did this year, uh, Sisu, which was, was pretty well received. I haven't seen it yet, but I want to. That's in my queue. Yeah. Uh, but like, there's drama infused to every shot, like whether it's like a David Lean style landscape shot of the midnight sun dip, dipping below the snowy mountains or a tracking shot that begins with bird's eye footprints on uh, Santa's little helper on the rooftop and then swoops mm -hmm. down to follow the child hero down the front steps a snowmobile cresting a hill, a husband wiping mournful tears from his eyes with his deceased wife's apron, big fucking explosions, cinematic lighting, and it's meticulous without being fastidious. Like it's uh, it's like they actually did the work and like fucking storyboarded it instead of just saying like, eh, we'll try it again and do a different take or whatever. It's like they had this right. fucking planned out. Yeah, I bet you're right. It, it, it feels really tightly managed. Yeah, and it's got all the uh, sort of adolescent quirks of the original YouTube shorts, which are necessary companion pieces. You got to watch those if you watch this. I've not watched them. I've not seen them. I, I need. Oh to. shit! They're so fucking funny. I got. I got to do that. <laughs> well, what do you think? Does it uh, hold up? Yeah. Uh, not only does it hold up, like if you're fucking sick of George Bailey and your kids are too young to understand Scrooge, then th this is this is an annual viewing. 
I will never ever get sick of George Bailey. But uh, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I hear you. This is this this is, and again a buck twenty two. You can you can sit down and pop this one out really easy. And if you're th- and chances are you've seen this before if you're listening at this point. But uh, and, and a lot of it is in English. You know, um, it's you, you don't have to sit there because. It's not like I'm opposed to international films by any stretch, but sometimes you kind of want to turn the brain off and do other things at the same time, especially around Christmas. Like you kind of want to throw a Christmas sure. movie on and just kind of like do other stuff. And you can still do that with this. Well, I will also agree that it holds up, which I figured that it would, but you know, it's Christmas. We like to do Christmas movies around this time of year. And I'm glad that you chose this. I was literally hoping that you would choose this because it's fun. It's weird. It's, and it needs more eyes on it, even though it's, you know, it's 13 years old at this point. So a lot of people have caught it, but more need to, man. It's it's a rare and unique. Well, rare, um, but it's a definitely, <laughs> definitely a unique. Hey, that's the name of the show. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. I definitely will watch it again next Christmas, probably as well. You can. Oh, you muted yourself, son. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's a real fucking classic. Yeah, can you hear me? Hear me? Yeah, I got you. Well, now I'm. Uh, it's like the wrong mic, but whatever. I'm just gonna keep going because you, you sound quiet and weird, huh? I do sound weird. Yeah, you my fucking. <laughs> uh, hang on a second. Let me see if I can fix this. Just vent. Uh, you know, just whatever for a minute. All right. I'm saying. Oh my god. So. <laughs> Here's here's some other deadpan lines from the movie. Like after they set charges in this giant ice block, yeah, uh, full of full of massive Santa, <laughs> he just goes, "Looks like we've been naughty." <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about and that. Then, I'm back. Yeah, Sounds it's like, it's like uh, yeah, you do. And the, uh, the the John McClane type bits, it's like ho ho ho. We have dynamite instead of machine gun. <laughs> it does have a kind <laughs> of a vibe in a few places. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely stunt nun Santa. <laughs> I was telling and, you. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, go ahead. Uh, the, the last one was uh, af- after Santa gets blowed up yeah. and the uh, the the murder elves. Yeah. Calm down because they're they're not under trance anymore. One guy just goes, "That's the magic of Christmas." <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he does. Yeah, it was the magic of Christmas. Yeah, it's a, You're right, sir. It's a magical movie. I was telling you uh, before we actually started that I got a new mic cord because sometimes I'll touch my mic and like it'll disconnect and everything stops working and like it like it just did. And I got a new cord and it still happens. So that's that's fun to find out. It must be the microphone itself. It's a bummer. Uh, yeah, it's maybe bummer. you can get in there with a screwdriver and yeah, maybe. I, I try not to touch it when I'm podcasting, but like I talk with my hands and shit. Anyway, <laughs> so we got two holds up. We'll I, I imagine we'll get Eric's uh, point of view on it when uh, we come back after the new year, which it will be my turn, I believe. I'm pretty sure. Ninety five. Yeah, I'm. Sh- yes, my turn to pick the next film. And even uh, it's not, you're the only one who showed up, so you should be able to fucking pick it. <laughs> I'm gonna announce it. We'll see if it ends up being my turn or not. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, because Mike picked reds last time, which we didn't do. We just thank god spent three and a half hours of our lives watching it instead. Didn't actually talk about it. <laughs> um I'm gonna go back, as you know, Steve, from being on my other podcast, my music podcast, 9394. Uh I'm stuck in the year 1993, and so I'm going to go back to the year 1993 on this show. I want to go to a movie that I feel like was pretty huge when it came out, and I, hear, I hardly hear people talking about it now. I can't even remember who fucking directed it, but everyone remembers Johnny Depp doing his Buster Keaton impersonation. I want to do Benny and June. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll do Benny and June when we come back. Uh, we haven't done a romance in a little while. Shift gears a little bit. So, uh, I haven't seen that for fucking ever. I remember, like, uh, everyone I knew who was into Benny and June also liked uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape at the same time. There was like, those are the two must sees for that that year or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. That it was it was a big deal when it came out, and I, I'm the same. I, I watched it many times when I was a kid, and not seen it in 
decades. So I, figured- I think I saw it a couple times, like in yeah, contemporaneously, and haven't seen it since. But uh, I'm excited to watch it and listen to your next show. Thank you, and I'm excited to listen to your next show, which you're going to go record with Mike Ova. I believe uh, is we'll it, find out. Is it safe podcast? If you want more Steve Guile or Mike Govier, usually uh, and Luke Horlbeck, definitely check out. Is it safe? Question mark. They got to type the question mark. As far as I know. <laughs> hey, guess what? Luke's updating his computer. Fucking surprise! <laughs> oh, so it's going to be a minute. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, the joys of podcasting. All right, buddy. Yeah, well, thank great. you, thank you for doing this. Very much appreciated, and it's always oh, good talking I'm to you. Honored to be on, and it's, uh, like, thanks for having me. Like, I'll, I'll do this anytime you want. Let's uh, let's you and I get together for some Zoom beers uh, while I'm on Christmas break. Yeah, let's do it. I got the uh, I got to work tomorrow, and then no other day is until next year. Same here. Maybe wrangle our Perfect. buddy Andrew into into that. So let's do that. Oh, yeah. He just saw Barbie, too. He liked it. Okay. said pretty much exactly what you said. Okay. Well, <laughs> I was like, this is great. He's a man of great taste. So, Isn't he? <laughs> All right, buddy. Merry Christmas. I'll talk How to you How do you think soon. I got my uh, Criterion Collection fucking subscription? Oh, is that him? That guy. Hey, yeah. Thanks, Andrew. That was nice of me. <laughs> yeah, cheers. Cheers. Yeah, Bye. Merry Christmas, man. Merry, uh, Merry Christmas to the listener. Bye-bye. Tiva Yula. <laughs>